You got Miguel here, aka Kairos. No, yes, that's actually <laughs> um, So our host today is Miguel, as he said. Um, if you care to give a, a little background as to how we're connected, our relationship. Yes, sir. So as I mentioned, my name is Miguel, aka B Boy Kairos. Um, met Larry through my sister. They're actually partners and. The rest is history, really. I know, right? We're kind of like forced to be uh, <laughs> a friends. Yes. I mean, that's how it is, right? With, uh, it, yeah, sometimes it's forced and sometimes it grows to be something authentic and, and, and real. Yeah. So I think this this is a, a we have a good a good relationship. It's not based on uh, trying to be friendly to keep uh, Paula happy, right? That's right. Which sometimes that does happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, this you're the third guest for the Demotic Possession uh, series of conversations I've been having, and um, you know I just want to have a a brief uh, overview and biography of, of your life and and your thoughts and ideas uh, before we get to the nitty gritty of the conversation. We'll start with the what's lacking uh, question, which is. If you had to pick one book, one movie, and one album uh, to have with you in a deserted island, what would they be? Let's see. Um, one book, one movie, and one album. The book, I would have to say, is Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Oh, damn. That will, do I have, should I give a background on that? Yeah, yeah I mean, whatever yeah. you want to do, yeah. Um, I mean, that was... That was the one of the first books I've read completely through, probably like multiple times. First living in Baltimore, and that was like the first time I really moved away from home, and felt like it was just a good, a really good book. It was all timing, and there was a lot of connection to where I was in that phase of my life. Um, movie wise, well, hold on, let's 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 talk a little bit about that book. So you know. Um, Siddhartha by uh, Herman Hesse or Herman Hesse. Yep. Uh, I've heard of a lot of good things about him. I think we talked about it before. Yeah. And uh, but I've never read him. So do you care to give us a a, a, a brief a brief summary of, of, of the book and the message? Yeah. Um. It was uh overall it was about a spiritual journey of a man, um, really growing into his shoes as a man and you know, experiencing all the things you 
go through in life from love to all those things around emotion and um, you know things that you go through when you're being challenged and new experiences and really just finding yourself ultimately um, and I don't know there was um, I think that encompasses really the majority of what that story was about you know there was so many examples of how these other factors influence his decisions or his life in general whether you know it's materials or people or really anything and it was just an interesting book overall because you know I think in reality that's that's we, we go through that and we, we find you know value in a lot of these things and try to understand why and what that really is and how it you know you, it resonates with you in that sense yeah that's definitely a book that um, I will definitely be reading within the next in this summer for sure mm. uh, and then yeah Siddhartha is um, the biographical name of the Buddha correct yeah, yeah so you know it's, it's yeah. all about self enlightenment and mm-hmm. you know self discovery yeah and I wouldn't um, have even read that book if it wasn't for one of my friends who lent it to me and he was very much on that same journey as I was and you know, he. I moved out of Maryland a couple years ago, and I feel like every time I see him, it's always we're always on the same energy level. Um, but I think that was the starting point of, you know, um, my friendship with him. He was just very insightful, and you know, it, it was necessary to meet him. I think that's a good friend. Um, all right, so movie and album. Movie. Um, there's a couple. I think you got served as one. <laughs> Mainly because I, I really feel like <laughs> <laughs> listen. So I, there's there's but some backstory to it. Multitudes. He, go, he goes from self uh, uh, discovery and you know achieving <laughs> ultimate enlightenment to the poppiest, most throwaway, corny MTV teenage. <laughs> movie you could ever have All right. <laughs> but there's always a background to it right and okay, yeah, yeah. um like you got served specifically i know it's it's your classic 2000s throwback movie but if it weren't for that movie i probably wouldn't have even started dancing okay, okay. so that was a big inspiration and you know i've probably watched that once a year another one would probably be and i think this is exactly what you mentioned you know i'm kind of random sometimes but um once i was introduced to mr nobody which you actually introduced oh, me yeah, to that yeah, that was yeah such an eye-opener and I felt like I needed to watch this multiple times to really understand the full depth of what it was portraying. Yeah, I love that movie. But that was, that every, was a life-changing movie, really. Yeah, every chance I get, I recommend it to people. Um, and You Got Served is definitely like a hood classic. Oh, yeah. Like every, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's what started it. That's what got everybody on the street dancing for yeah, Lil Saint. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that, oh, was it Omari in that movie? Omarion. Yeah, that he that I mean he used that as the springboard the to his his, but he was kind of like the star. So oh yeah, and Marcus Houston I think it was. Yeah, Marcus yeah, yeah. from like extreme. No, what was what wasn't was, he on the uh, sister sister? I think. I yeah, but he also had a uh R and B boy band uh, extreme. No, I think so. I can't remember. I just know B two K. And was then he had like an alter persona of him being Batman, some corny shit like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think they're cousins. But my point is yeah. that he used that movie as a springboard like for his, his solo R&B career, yeah. which, you know, looking back, he, he kind of had a, a, a good career, you know, yeah. Ice 
definitely worked. He was definitely the Beyonce of his group. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, interesting because the 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 two things I remember from B two K. No, it, what what was their the name of their of their group? What was B two K? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, is I was for a second I was thinking of Pretty Ricky. My 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 brain is more random and mushy than yours for mm. sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about Omarion, and then I was also thinking about the other dude who uh, made allegations about being diddled with and, and raped. Yeah, I think he was a pretty boy in the group, wasn't he? I don't. I, don't I can't remember. remember. I mean, Omarion was definitely like the. the mm, yeah. But. But he was, he had like this other guy I can't remember his name but he had more of a baby face he was also in that movie too he was the one that was like brother his like his little brother was little saint I think I I, yeah. I, 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 I I'm bad with names so yeah, I, was, I wasn't really <laughs> the whole yeah. point is that we know Marion <laughs> <laughs> he he was a star he, he was, was a, a star yeah, that was, was his movie um and then album Swimming's Mac Miller that was after he died. That was right before he died. Right before. That was the last. That was his last album before he died. Right, like when he moved to LA and then broke up with mm-hmm. Ariana Grande. I think so. Yeah, yeah. One of those. That was definitely yeah. Disney, that was that was that phase. Teeny Bob. That was yes. that. Yeah. That was a really good one. I actually didn't even really listen to that on its initial release. It yes. Yeah. Maybe like a year after, but that was that was a, that was an album that I feel like I never skipped a beat. I actually got a tattoo. For that, from that album. Oh wow! What um, tattoo did you get based on the on the album? The first song on that album is called "Come Back to Earth," mm-hmm. and it's a lot about mental health, and just like really being out of your mind and being present. And at that time, I was actually going through a breakup, and there was a lot of um, things going on in that in that moment outside of that breakup. But um, it, it really just helped me, you know, just come back to, to earth really you know it's just yeah, being nah. present and, and getting out of my head because he, he committed suicide right he did wow yeah i mean i, I liked or he od'd but yeah he was... yeah but well yeah exactly OD. i mean it's different um i definitely enjoyed mac miller's career trajectory from like where he started to the sort of like changes and, yeah. and, and growth that he had um it was sad how yeah came to to an end yeah just cause yeah you could see him sort of maturing and, and growing as a as a musician and, yeah. and as a rapper and he was he, I feel like he was one of the few least problematic rappers out there that really stayed true to himself in, in, in yeah. his music you know and he had a lot of funk he had, he had so much aspects to his songs and it was just um, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I push back a little bit. I think he was pretty regular when he started. That's what I'm saying. When he started, maybe. But... And then towards the end, that's when he started sort of like pivoting to becoming a little bit um, different in terms of content and the sort of music he was making. Um, okay, so yeah, that's, those, those are interesting but very good um Choices. I feel like uh, the, the the previous two guests also had incredible and sort of like um, expansive choices. Um, how old are you, Miguel? I am twenty eight, going on twenty nine this November. Okay. And what was what was your childhood like? 
my childhood um i mean just to start I, I was born in the philippines raised in philly pretty much all my life um the only boy in my family the youngest at that and i, I was i feel like i was very coddled to a point um i had a lot of guidance from my sisters and i feel like throughout that you know i've, I've had it was like four sisters so they i've had different relationships with each of them and you know um just different perspective and seeing how they live but it, it's definitely made me want to become more and more independent i felt like they were an inspiration in that way um but yeah i mean i, I was like the baby right so they they spoiled me but you know it didn't always work out that way i mean it did in that sense and i mean that by like being coddled i felt like when I was out in the real world, when I was out in school, you know, I, I got bullied a lot, really. So yeah. to put it straight, you know, um, so I don't feel like I was as prepared when it came to being in public and being with like, you know, my peers. But at home, I mean, it was it was great. Really, I was almost the center of attention for the most part. Right, 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 right. Um, that's interesting. So you think. Um, that there was perhaps a excess of feminine energy and attention where perhaps um, because there was three strong women in your household you and your dad got drowned out um, and sort of took the, the back seat or mm -hmm. no what, what, what was your relationship like with your dad because yeah, I just asked you what your childhood was like, yeah. and you know, the your your response was very much about the women in your life and how that somehow uh, didn't prepare you for being out in in in, in, in the world of right. men, teenagers. Guessing right, like middle school teenagers, or just in, oh, in general. Like, oh, in general, really. Right. So yeah, I so mean, that's my question. You know, was was there a sort of like um, a dominance of the of the feminine energy, and uh, where was your your dad in, in all of this? I mean, for my dad, he was he was definitely there. He was mostly just there as like the provider. You know, he was mostly working the whole time, and I mean. My mom was just taking care of everybody and trying to make her way um, and supporting him and, you know, the kids. I, I don't necessarily think it was too much feminine energy in a sense, mainly because I think my sisters just had so much different personality, like some would you would consider as like a tomboyish. So there was definitely like a balance of um, just like lots of love, but also tough toughness, right? Like okay. being pushed and, you know, I think that was how we had to grow up being foreign in, you know, the middle of Albany, really. In like, right, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, they, I mean, they, I've had to learn that through their, through, through their experiences, really. Um, but again, like, just because they didn't want me to feel like I had to experience that, I think back home, it would always just be like, we're going to protect you. Right. Yeah, so regardless of whether or not women or your dad had been the dominant figure in the household 
it still would have been uh, difficult for you growing up as a Filipino immigrant in the neighborhood you grew up in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, there weren't a lot of Filipinos back then. Yeah, because I only was predominantly black. Yeah. So it was, uh, I was different. Yeah. And that usually, people called that out. Right, exactly. That so. usually leads to, um, yeah, to people just, you know, checking you and, 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 and trying to see. Um, what was your relationship like with, with, with your mother? It was really good. I mean, um, mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of already talked about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, uh, to keep it short, I mean, I was a mama's boy really. And then my dad was looking at me as like, you're going to be the best basketball player. Like he really wanted me to live his (laughs) dream. I feel like in in a sense. So like throughout my childhood, I, I was pushed to play basketball, to play sports really. But it never really stuck just because I wasn't passionate about it. Yeah, you because you're you're pretty athletic, right? You're 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 someone who has a good, you know, bodily um, control and 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 sense of your of of your body. You're like a b boy. You love break dancing. You're yeah. good at, at that stuff. So yeah, I like um, being active. I think I just need to have some type of connection to what I like. To what I'm doing in order to actually enjoy it and take it to the next level. So how did how did you get involved with break dancing and, and being a big boy and that, so breaking didn't start until late high school, but I feel like dancing has always been a part of my life. It started really when um, the youngest of my sister Paula she she was a dancer. Well, my mom was a dancer too for a bit, but Paula was the first one who like actually took it as a hobby. She was on a drill team. She did choreo. We used to watch MTV and look, you know, copy NSYNC dances all the time. And I think that's what you got started served. it. And you got served. Yeah, she introduced me to that. And then, you know, we used, used to go out to movies, watch Stomp the Yard. And it was just a lot of... Um, Stomp the Yard? Is that the one with Chris Brown? When he died in the, movie, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was like the beginning of it. And then, you know, in, in middle school, dancing started getting a little bit more popular. I the people I hung out with wanted to get into more popping and funk, um, but the breaking part didn't really come in until late high school. And transparently, it was really just my friend coming up to me and telling me like, hey, we should do this to get girls. I'm like, sure. But in the back of my mind, <laughs> I mean, that was that was definitely like the initial thought, but in the back of my mind, I, you know, I think the core to it was really that I wasn't, I didn't have a lot, and that was like a, a big right. thing for me growing up, and I saw that as a way to attain that. So, what 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 would you attribute this lack of of, of self confidence to? I think that is a good question. <laughs> and finding yourself being a, a immigrant kid, you know, maybe like I think I, I feel like we all go through that. I, I, there's. Definitely a lot of factors right. to it. Even probably the kids who we in high school, because I feel like me and you are, you know, you and I are very similar. Uh, even the kids probably in high school that we thought were the coolest and, and had a perfect sort of like um, life due to having all the cool clothing, all the cool sneakers, all the girlfriends, you know, being able to yeah. 
fight and, and, and be able to be funny and, 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 and smoke weed and do whatever. Um, they probably were going through the same shit that we were going through and, sure. and, and having um, self-confidence issues as well, but they probably just knew how to hide it better and just probably had a, a, a better sense of how to wear a mask and, yeah. and, and how to uh, present to the world the persona that they will be accepted or yeah. um, read as. I feel cool. like it definitely takes a lot. I feel, I feel like for me to really understand it, I'd have to think through it a bit deeper, but just based off this discussion alone, I'd say it, it definitely stems from being foreign. And I say that because when I think about it, one of the common themes that I've found throughout my life, whether work or you know, relationships or friends, it's always been the acceptance aspect and wanting to feel like I belong. And I think that's just because of you know the type of environment I was in growing up in school being young and you know not just being different and wanting that acceptance so I feel like that's impacted my overall self-confidence just because I was so different and I didn't really take pride in that right so I mean that's interesting because you came to the U.S. when you were a baby correct I was I was really young and so right, you know, I mean, someone yeah. even consider me as a foreigner you know <laughs> right right but I so I, and, and tell me if I'm wrong so maybe it's less of your foreignness uh, in terms of your not inability to be culturally fluent or savvy, but rather just that you're an Asian kid in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just simple like, as that. But like, I'm, if you were in Cali, I think you it might have been different, yeah, right? Yeah, like, I agree. Just because there's um, a, a, an Asian and Filipino presence definitely. that is strong and, you know, like your sense of belonging is much more stronger in the West Coast where, you know, Asians as opposed to Philly where it's like, you know, you're ethnic white, you're black, or you're, you know, Puerto Rican, really. Right. Other than that, it's kind of like, all right, like, you Chinese, bro? (laughs) I mean, that's that's the simplest way to put it, really. But I think, you know, I think it goes beyond that. I mean, sure, I wasn't, you know, raised in the Philippines, but... You know, I was surrounded by the culture and, you know, that household itself is what brought me up. Um, but I think that that stays true. And, and from what you mentioned is, that, you know, if it was in Cali, it might have been different just because of the um, demographics there. But here, I mean, it wasn't, it, I feel like in different phases of my life, it wasn't really until high school that I really started making Asian friends. Okay, yeah. You know, growing up, it's it went from black to white because, you know, my parents wanted to put me in like a predominantly white school but we were in a predominantly black school um, neighborhood so it was kind of all over the place and I think that was um, the starting point of you know trying to figure out what my identity was right yeah I think you know it's it's interesting just we are so vulnerable as children um, to this idea of what it means to be uh, American or smaller scale and the more local level just what it means to be normal within certain neighborhoods and schools etc or within even a city and I think I had the same um, experience of being an outsider just because of you know my you know like I'm a black Latin dude Mm. and so you know like for the Latin people 
I'm kind of like, oh, he's, you know, like, and then there's, there's a lot of black Latin people, but, you know, we're, we're, we're very much in the minority and, you know, just the way that I present, you might not know that I'm, you know, Latino or you might not even know that I'm Colombian or you just be like, oh, he's Dominican, etc. Um, and then to the black people, it was like, oh yeah, he, he black, but he's not really black. He's Latin, you know, like and culturally, um, completely different. And then my accent. So it's kind of like, oh bro, like <laughs> yeah. we thought you were from like, you know, like where you from, bro? You, you hang out with all Colombians. Yeah. Oh, he a Latin dude. Like he just, <laughs> he looked like us, but he ain't like us, you know? Yeah. So like, well, that's funny that you say that because but, I feel like, you know, I, I obviously identify as Asian Filipino or however you want to call it but even from outside looking in like other people that didn't even think i would sometimes they would think i'm chinese sometimes they think i'm puerto rican so it's like they didn't even know what the hell that was to be right. honest <laughs> <laughs> right because you don't yeah filipinos in the east coast they don't fit neatly to the ideas of like east asian yeah. um yeah so like my identity is 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 definitely something that um think I, I still struggle with and mm. you know I have lots of thoughts about it and um you can't escape it now right right it, it seems like everything is a conversation about uh race and identity um but I think all of us regardless of, of race and uh ethnicity and culture uh struggle with that um some maybe perhaps a little bit more than others um, what was your um, schooling and educational? What was your experience like in the educational system? Um, I mean, having the type of parents I've had, they, you know, I, I I had to study hard. I had to work hard. I mean, I was not gonna lie, I was pretty lazy. Uh, it was hard for me to focus, um, but I've made my way. And um, I mean, I went to like the neighborhood elementary school, middle school. Um, but by the time I hit high school, that's I think that's when I really started to recognize my ability to do things a little bit better and take more responsibility and um, got into like a magnet program, you know, was really trying to be as studious as possible to get my life going and, um, you know, just trying to really put myself out there taking advanced classes and such. So I, I feel like I had a pretty decent education. I just don't think I applied myself as well that makes sense that makes perfect sense yeah. yeah um what do you what do you attribute that to just personality yeah i mean i think it does come down to personality um i think it kind of goes back to what i mentioned about like like sports and hobbies if if it doesn't really interest me or if i'm not passionate about it it's hard for me to really you know focus and um, apply myself to that and when I think about it, it makes sense because there was classes that, you know, I enjoyed more than others because of the professors, like science, you know, I usually like that a lot, but it would always depend on like multiple things, multiple factors outside of just the class itself. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's always this, in my nature, there's always been like this emotional connection or in a sense that really made me want to push myself more or be or really pull that out that side out of me right yeah I, I agree with that I think I think for the, the vast majority of us uh, we need to have a connection not just to the subject and to the discipline 
um, the content of what we're learning, but also to the person who is imparting that knowledge to us, mm-hmm. right? And so um, there's definitely a disconnect uh, within any system between uh, the people mm-hmm. and um, the roles and function of the people within that system. Yeah. So, and that was true even as I got into college, really, like, um, I, I was still trying to navigate my way through education and understand, like, what is it that I really want to do in my life? And I don't think I really found that answer until after I graduated college. Right. So, and to be honest, I feel like I still don't really have that answer completely. But um, I knew that to get there, I needed to set a foundation and even though that I, you know I didn't really apply myself as much as I wanted to, I still did what I had to, even if it was bare minimum to really you know pass and make my way there. Yeah, I mean, it, you graduated. Yeah, that's importantly. I, most importantly, I graduated. So <laughs> you have a job. Yeah. So you you know you you completed uh, the task at hand, which was to graduate from university. Um, I feel like I did that too. I was like, damn. Yeah. yeah, I was I was teetering on the. I mean, once you're out, it's finishing. only about the degree anyway. <laughs> um, so what what prepared you best for adulthood? What was the thing that you think did the most to help you become a man? When you the say man today, when you say adulthood, does that cap out at a certain age? I mean, how old are you again? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, so that taps out at twenty eight. Like, like up until now, what has been the thing that has helped you become the man that you are right now? I think there were multiple things. One, um, I feel like I always put myself out there in uncomfortable situations. I was, I, like I said, I, I grew up, you know, lacking confidence and I was very shy. Um, but for some reason, I just allowed myself to go into these situations, whether I liked it or not, and try to adapt to it. Um, I think it was a little bit forceful, but there was a lot of challenges that I felt like I would have faced then that I wouldn't have faced if I didn't say yes, you know, if I always just said no to everything. So really being, I guess, open-minded, um, making bad decisions, of course, comes along the way with that. And I think you just learn a lot of lessons as you live through it. I'm very hands-on with, you know, how I learned about things. So sometimes it's just about taking a risk. And I think that's exactly what it was. And I think the best uh, example of that is, and what's really, where I really saw that um, that progress was when I left my hometown. And I, I made that move away to Baltimore after, right after college. And that's where I really started to see that growth and that big step to what you would call like adulthood. Yeah. How did, how did what, what helped you uh, understand and know that you needed to open yourself and take risks? What made you um, flip that switch? Mm. If there's if there's anything that I don't know if that there was necessarily like one moment or one switch, but there was a constant reminder to myself where because I'm 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 the type of person that's always in my head and it was the fact that I wasn't happy with you know I wasn't not happy but I wasn't fulfilled or mm. satisfied with 
what was just happening there. You know, I've always, there was always a sense of ambition within me, but I don't think that's really come out until I started seeing some of, some of the results, really. Mm. But um, it was over time, really. You know, again, like I think just through living life really hands-on and, and making those, those mistakes and even succeeding at times, uh, I think that just steered me back to that direction of wanting to grow into this type of person. Right. So it's sort of like a, a natural, organic maturation process, exactly. right? Like it's just uh, the way that life progresses and evolves and yeah. opens up to, um, like mentally you open up to new realities and new truths as um, the stages of life. Yeah, exactly. And, you there. and, you know, I know everyone has different stages and phases like that, but ultimately it's of protecting your mentality and, you know, just wanting to learn and grow and, and remaining curious helped me to understand like, okay, this isn't working, but this isn't the end. Let's try a different way. Right. Being, being able to be vulnerable. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think, I think as men, that's, that's something that in, in, in all facets of, term we, we, we struggle with and it sounds like you understood at a certain moment that you needed to open yourself up to uh, the world yeah. and um, regardless of whether the consequences were negative or positive you needed to learn something from them yeah and I think this this goes back to my childhood now that I that we're talking about this and I, you know I, I do I, I truly think that everything connects one way or another and you know the fact that I was raised around so many women and I was a quiet child, I played that role as an observer and yeah. learned and, you know, I, I identified the things that I didn't like and that I did like mentally, but that didn't really blossom until like I became more vocal about my opinion, became more confident about myself in all aspects. So it was, it was building blocks. Um, shifting a little bit, uh, can you tell me a little bit um, about your experiences with love? Um, have you ever been in love? And what are your thoughts on <laughs> romantic, romantic yeah. love? Um, have I ever been in love? Yes. Prob if I can count realistically, it's probably only happened about two to three times. <laughs> Two and a half. <laughs> Who, From, that's that's interesting. What's that half like? <laughs> Don't say her name. I'm not like, gonna say I no only names. have loved you, Veronica. No. <laughs> no, no. I thought you really did. Oh man. In well, retrospect, I mean, there is a half. No, um, no. <laughs> but yeah. So, so tell me more. So, what do you, what do you know? What did it feel like? What, what, what was the experience like? Well. I think I can really I can really talk about this only from one relationship that state that sticks in my mind because it was the longest one I've ever had and no names no names no names okay. but it was certainly the one I felt like I got the closest with to getting to that next stage meaning you know life partner in a sense family um, and exactly and, and yeah um, it's dangerous. It's, it's 
it can be very toxic, extremely toxic, and you can lose yourself. And I've seen this through my friends and even family. You know, like you are sacrificing. Are you, are you throwing shots, bro? No, not <laughs> no, 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 no. This uh, sorry, <laughs> no shots. But go ahead. No, I, I, I do think it's love is just as powerful as anger, as hate, and yeah. it's a total opposite. They're obviously on the opposite sides of the spectrum, and if you look at it in that sense, but um, it's a very powerful tool, and if you're not, if you don't have control over it, then it's, it's deadly, for sure. And I think we've seen many examples of that but in my own personal experience i've definitely lost myself in that yeah i think i think love is such a monumental force and and you know and feeling that unless you've reached a level of self-mastery you won't be able to control it and you won't be able to um, feel it in a way that's going to allow for it to manifest in the best possible manner. Yeah. So I think... And no one really teaches know, you that. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, you know, like, we feel it as teenagers. We feel it uh, as 20, in, in our 20s in a way that um, sort of is torrential and sort of takes over our lives. Mm-hmm. Where we become sort of lost in, 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 in its in its force. And what I like about my relationship with Paula is that, you know, we fell in love and um, established this relationship once, you know, like in our thirties. And I think being in your thirties just gives you enough wisdom and experience to be able to do things better. It's not perfect. Yeah. Um, and to a certain degree too, you might miss the sort of just obsessional, passionate, irrational, um, overtaking of, 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 of romantic love in your life just because Mm. sometimes it just offers you a sort of escape from the, you know, mundanity of life and, 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 and the boredom of the, the everyday, but that also isn't what a healthy steady um relationship is all about that you want to be able to be part of for the rest of your life yeah and so i think your 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 comments are testament to that where you're like it's dangerous and it sort of you know could overwhelm your whole psyche and 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 personhood but i think now at this age that you're in you know you're 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 basically prepared and ready for uh, the next experience of love to be a more pleasant, steady, um, slow developing one yeah. that is going to actually flourish in a way that um, you know the the other ones didn't because sometimes it's just like fireworks, you know, like, like yeah. Boom, some people will find it early, and then it's like where that's it. It's over. Yeah, some some people find are, are fortunate enough to find it early, and you know, power to them. Yeah, I think. Love is just such an interesting thing because there's so many things that go into it. And I always tell my friends, like, timing is so important. And I don't even just say mm, this from, like, yeah. a physical mm-hmm. meaning of timing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I mean it from, like, internal, too. Like, yeah. you can meet some person today, but they may not be ready for you. 
mentally, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think it just comes down to finding that connection, a healthy connection, right. where it's a balance of, you know, being logical about this thing, but also you know that you're there's emotion you can share with that person that you want to build with that person. And I like I don't mean to talk about it, you know, I feel like when we started this part, I feel like I went straight into the negative side of things. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you did. I, I don't think you did. Or like maybe like the Because I agree. The harsh side of things yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, even. But I agree. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of positive out of it. Obviously it's love, right? That's right. the love itself is positive. It's just so intense that you know like you mentioned it's overwhelming and if you don't have control over that you can very much lose yourself lose the person who you were and you know the i thought I, I, to me when you're in a relationship and you're loving someone it's because you're giving them 100 percent of yourself of who you are not because you're molding yourself into fitting their life right and and i and i think yeah there's some people who are pretty naturally um mature Right, sure. they they are able to, um, at an earlier stage in their life, reach the point that maybe I reached when I was thirty two, thirty three. Mm. Um, but I think in general, it does take years before uh, one is able to have the equanimity, composure, um, emotional balance. Yes, that's to, a big one. Right, and 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 and. And security of self, right? Because a lot of times the intensity of the feeling um, paired with um, a toxic ego Mm. makes it so that we are not able to give or take the love in a way that's going to be the best for us or for our partner. Right. Um, You know, like, we have to work on our own we have to work on our minds. We have to work on, um, like I said, you know, emotional balance. We mm-hmm. have to work on spiritual development and all those things. It's important to protect that. Exactly. And, and all those things, the, the working of the self, right, like the development of the self will allow you to then be able to give and take mm-hmm. uh, the love uh, for, you know, give the love to another person and take the love from another person. Right. And not that it'll make it perfect and not that, you know, things won't, things might not work out, but you know that you did everything within, um, within the realm of possibility to, to, to make things work as opposed to, you know, when you're not at a good level of development, you might sabotage things that were good. Right. You might destroy things that were good because you just don't have the ability within you because of emotional immaturity because of yep. your ego because of insecurities and so that's a perfect segue to ask you about regrets regrets um what my biggest regret is yeah doubting myself mm. and I think Kind of like what you know I mentioned before about the lack of confidence you know that held me held my progress back I think just sure I was able to put myself in these situations where it was not comfortable for me and, and try to build on that but you know I've 
feel like I've had so much self-doubt that I never was able to really perform to my best ability. And on top of that, with that doubt, you know, I felt like there could have been opportunities that I could have right now that I didn't pursue because I just wasn't so sure about it. So, you know, it's influenced my decision-making process earlier on. And, you know, I think not even just my own doubts, but, you know, influences from other people, from other opinions. And I think that can get to you um, and just get to you in a negative way where it's like you're not making your own decisions at that point, you know? Um, And I think when it comes back to the regret, just allowing that to really affect me more than it should have. Um, that was something I, I, I definitely struggled with. And this is funny because I, I think it, in, it was in elementary school where um, one of my older sisters, she she was, I, I always considered her as my mentor. And she came to one of my classes because my, sister, my teacher called her in. And essentially my teacher called me a follower um, instead of a leader. But which, um, which sister is this? Rachel. Okay. And that was... A big point for me because I felt like deep down I did I I knew that was right okay. on the surface I didn't admit it to myself ego yes and this was at a young age this was like elementary school and you know I, I, I don't think I even understood what ego was at the time but just being that I, th- I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought it was um, when you were older, so you brought your sister as like a bring a, a, a an important person to in your life to school day type of shit. Well, so the thing is, is like that was like the first instance, but you know, it's a it, it's a habit, and those things I think are hard to get rid of, and I think even as I went on from my life from then, there's always a sense of me that still followed mm-hmm. at least until I got to where I am now where yeah. you know I feel like I've had that sense of maturity and you know sure I still have moments where I follow but that's more willingly now it's when it makes sense it's like all right these are my idols these are you know the paths or the temp like it's almost like a template right these yeah. are the paths I want to pursue and here's an example of that but back then I think I was still kind of learning what my core values were mm-hmm. and like what the principles were that I wanted to have that define me and follower was definitely not it. I, I think back then it, there was definitely more of a negative connotation around that term yeah. for me. But, um, I think ultimately when it, again, just when it comes to regret, I, I just let that really overcome me. Yeah. And, and again, I think, um, there's a, a, a pattern emerging where I think, Everything that you're saying just seems to me to be a part of the growing pains of discovering yourself in your 20s. Yeah. You know, like self-doubt, vulnerability, mm-hmm. risk-taking, um, sort of allowing love to overwhelm and, 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 and take over yeah. one's life and identity. So I think... If you're a human being, it seems to me that those are uh, obstacles that one needs to get through to then come out the other side mm-hmm. a much stronger, better, 
person. Agreed. And the people who don't, you're like, yo, you know, <laughs> salute. <laughs> yeah, peace. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it, it comes down to acceptance. And I think that's also why that book, Siddhartha, was a big, was one of my favorites was because, you know, I've always had this sense of trying to understand what my identity was growing up and even into my adulthood. And even as a dancer, you know, I feel like it, it wasn't, it wasn't just until this year that I was really comfortable with sharing who I actually am yeah. as a dancer because of putting myself out there on a dance floor and these are my moves. These are what, you know, what I, what I do behind closed doors in my own room. Right. right. So I think it's always surrounded this sense of identity and understanding, you know, who am I and right. what is it that I value most? Right. Who am I? And can I express myself and, and who I am? Um, within the context of dance, within the context of my class, within the context of my family, yeah. or do I need to emulate others who I deem to be superior or, you know, that I respect as um, people who are masters? And I think both those are correct, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, you need to be able to, and, and I was, I was, you, you, you didn't know me when I was younger and, and, and the, you know, it's, this interview, this dialogue and conversation isn't about me, but I definitely was not a humble person. Mm. And looking back at just my level of arrogance in relation to my intelligence and my and in relation to uh, my ability to understand life and things and intellectual uh, uh, concepts and and life uh, was completely detrimental to yeah. my development because I didn't know shit yeah. and I still don't but I really thought that I did and, and you know in, in my heart of hearts I probably knew I didn't know anything but yeah. I was trying to play this persona that I had chosen because that's the thing that I hung my hat on and that mm. I was going to present to the world as something that I consider to be um, considered to be something that I could potentially be good at yeah no that makes even sense even though it was fake right know? no I, 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 that's, counterfeit you, you basically took the words out of my mouth I mean that's pretty much it like I I felt the same way about myself I was so prideful it was like almost a fake pride mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. I, I lied to myself it was yeah. like I want to be accepted I want to show that I'm the smartest person in the room mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that has completely flipped now compared to where I was because now I feel like I'd rather be the dumbest person in the room. Exactly, like me I'm, too. And so, I'd like, learn. Right. <laughs> you know? and, and so, but that's the funny part, right? Like, we created um, a an identity that relied strongly on our ideas of mm-hmm. being intelligent mm-hmm. and being smart and being told that by others that. Um, even when we knew we weren't, we came up with reasons and excuses to say, well, this is the reason why I'm still kind of, you know, smart. Mm. And this is the reason why perhaps, uh, this person had the upper hand. And this is the reason why I am actually superior to these people who, um, are succeeding and, you know, are obviously secure in their own intelligence and don't have to sort of parade it in, Mm. in front of people and belittle and, and, and target and be mean about it, right? Yep. 
So it's funny how even though you know in in explicitly you're 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 making statements and presenting a egotistical arrogant persona that voice and that conscience is always telling you that's fake you're lying yeah. and you just don't want to listen to it like you have nothing to show for it right but then you know you hit a certain point where you're like i need to be real with myself i need to be yeah. true and sometimes you get humbled sometimes you right. do it yourself and here and actually let that voice come to the forefront mm-hmm. and allow for the consequences of the message to wash over you and, and and make you accept the truth and the reality right. even if that means that your whole persona and your ego and um, all of the, the the things that you had created previously crumbles right. yeah I think that hit it right on the nail um maybe I didn't I don't think that hit <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, 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 I just um, sound, sound, <laughs> I mean <laughs> It's all perspective, really. Right. Like, um, you know, we don't have an answer to everything. And I think that's exactly what I wanted to say next is the fact yeah. that we know what we know. And we have to accept that. Like, there's so many different answers that aren't even discovered yet. And there's so many paths to what people define as success. But what does that actually look like? Right. You know, like, to you and to me, it's going to be different. But ultimately, we get to the same point. Yeah, that's true. Well, we, we're all going to get to this we point all get, at the end. Uh, <laughs> everything's temporary, right? Like, So eventually you get to a, a phase in your life where you're like, you feel like you've made it, but, uh, you know, not to sound like a Debbie Downer, but it, it fluctuates, right? Like right, you have to, true. like I think the journey is to remain adaptable, remain flexible, understanding who you are at its core so that you're prepared, more prepared for that when it comes to you in the future. Yeah. Speaking of success... So, um, what do you do to survive within the, the capitalist system? Like, what's my title or what do I... <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, talking about ego and validation. <laughs> you want to know what my title is? Uh, um, no, no, like, what's your job? What do you what, what do you do to make money to pay the bills? Yeah, I am... <laughs> I'm a senior ad manager for an um, advertising agency. I won't say any names. Um, but... Deloitte? No, <laughs> that's, that's all. That's all. Finance and accounting. Um, but I work. I'm just throwing out like random big capital money. corporations <laughs> that I, I that I. That if I, you want to throw one out, it's Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I work on um, SEO, um, what is, what is search it? engine optimization, okay. so keyword analytics, strategy, marketing, advertising, and that is what I do for a living day to day. It's it's all Amazon based. It's all um, you know. You're shopping online. I'm finding you. That's pretty much uh, it. That sounded ominous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that sounded we're, we're like, we are listening to you. Yeah, that sounded like Homeland Security and the CIA. You know those. You You're know when online, we're finding you. You know when you get an Amazon pop up on your Instagram. I don't have Instagram. You know when you get an Amazon pop up on anything. It says, "Hey, you've yeah. been looking for this. We saw your search results. That's me." How do you like what you do? definitely not something I expected I'd be in um, when I went so I studied marketing when I went into college my idea of advertising was more on a creative side okay. um, but again like you know I didn't really apply myself as well in school and you know I was working multiple jobs so it was a bit challenging 
but um, I, you know, I, I gave this s small startup company a chance and it brought me here. But I think when it comes to the work itself, you know, it's all right. It's not bad. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's horrible, but it's definitely challenged me and made me learn new skills. Good salary. Good salary. I'm comfortable. You know, I get to do what I like to do with my personal life and I have a good work-life balance. So I think it's, it's, it's good in that sense. But, um, again, like the work, when I think about the work itself, it's not really fulfilling, but the skill sets that I've acquired from it, you know, more from like the strategic marketing side of things and how I can think outside the box a little bit. It, there is a sense of creativity behind it because, you know, it, it's a matter of how am I going to get my products in front of a shopper's eyes and, you know, how are they going to convert on it? How am I going to reach the right people? Um, I think all of that was very eye-opening just because I, I had no idea this, this whole world was even out there and now I'm in the midst of it. Yeah. So ultimately I like I like the growth behind it and I like what I the skills that I acquired from it. So it, it, it I definitely adapted to it. Okay. Um what are your views on politics and um yeah, let's start with politics. I'd say I lean more towards the liberal side, but I try to maintain a balanced mindset, you know, not trying to be biased. I don't want to say moderate because I, I you know, I, I make a decision at the end of the day on what side I'll choose. But um, I see that's that's the part I don't like is like the fact that we have to choose a side, and yet we're living in the same world, you know. And I get that it's all about representation in that sense, but you know, I'm not really a big fan of politics. I feel like today's politics, it's not what it is. It's not what it's meant to be. Yeah. It's it's not really helping society. It's it's rather doing the opposite it's helping those at the top right. at least from my perspective you know and what's crazy is like you know some would consider me as upper middle class if you will but like that's just not my scene if you right <laughs> right that's that's not your life experience right like right now you're in a place where you're um making uh, a good income and, and yeah. but you know growing up Right. You know, I think I think politics is just very media influenced these days that it's not true to it. It's not it's not politics anymore. You know. Um and uh what would you say is your view on, on the economy? It's a mess. <laughs> Redistribution, um, is the market system uh the way that we should organize how we um relate to each other. Uh, laissez-faire capitalism should there be more regulation a sort of welfare state the Scandinavian system I'm all about fairness and I understand that there are people who feel like they work harder than others and they deserve more mm -hmm. but I also feel that we're all on this like I said we're all on a, on a boat right together. I like that. and you know if one side of it is full and the other side's has some leaks, we're all gonna end up in the same spot eventually. Good point, yeah. And I just think we are prioritizing the wrong things and 
there is a big imbalance with where we are today in the economy and we're not as a society and i don't this is where i you know i don't like saying one side or the other because whoever gets voted in because that we as a society allowed that to happen you know we've allowed these leaders to take charge and i honestly don't think they have our best interests in mind i agree with that 100 percent um are you religious i am Catholic. Um, grew you, said, up, you said that with a lot of base. I I grew up Catholic, but I will say that that was a joke. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I am. Um, I grew up Catholic, raised Catholic. Um, but I do feel that my my faith did I, I approach it a bit differently than how my family has. Me, meaning, you know, they're they're pretty much. You know, they abide by the structure, they go to church, they go to, you know, events like that. And I'm all supportive of that. I think that it, it, you know, helps create a community for them. But I ultimately feel like my faith is just with me and God. I, like, you know, if, if I were to practice my religion, then it's on my own terms, not under the structure of a church. Yeah, so then... Not to be uh, difficult, but then what about your relationship to God and the institution of Catholicism makes you Catholic? It's just going to be a private um, relationship between you and God. What do you mean? Like, Like if you're Catholic, then there are certain rituals and practices that you need to perform in order to be considered Catholic. Right, and so I, if you're not you know, going, and I'm, you know, I'm just asking. So yeah, if you're yeah. not going to partake in, um, you know, Sunday mass and confession, right, and um, you know, well, why do we have to do it in there? I mean, I can. Because then you're just. I mean, a you Christian have... and you're not really Catholic, right? Because Catholicism, um, as well as other organized religions. So is it more about the institution or about God itself? No, I mean, I think, I, I think, I think you know, <laughs> no, I understand know. what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. is, and I wasn't, you know, again, I'm not trying to be difficult or... Well, no, I, I just question it because I, because I know exactly you, what you mean. So when I said, are you religious? You said, yes, I right. am Catholic. Right. And then um, as you continued to um, answer the question, it became less about your... Um, adherence to the doctrines of Catholicism and the practices and the rituals are more of your personal relationship to God. And so, you know, to me, there's a tension there between um, what it means to be part of a church and uh, and an institution such as the Catholic Church and one's personal um, relationship to a higher power, which, you know, most people would say is just like spirituality. Yeah. I mean, I, I... I will say that when I moved to Maryland, I felt like I was more in tune with my spiritual side. Before that, 
I was more in tune with my religion side, religious side. And I think as I made my way to a newer city now in Seattle, I found a bit of a balance in both okay. where, you know, I've made a firm understanding of where I stand when it comes to my relationship with God, mm-hmm. that I feel like I don't need to be a part of a church to be able to express my faith okay. and okay. that it comes and this is where the spirituality side comes in where you know it's just one-on-one I I give him the time and day but I, I'd like to keep that more intimate between what I feel like it's what it really should be yeah. honestly like I feel like kind of similar to what we talked about with like politics you know churches have definitely lost their way as well yeah and which is why I'm not fully supportive of how they've organized things and I feel like people not and this isn't for everyone but you know I, I feel like there are oftentimes people go into church blindly yeah. to follow some organization that you know claims to be you know representatives of God when I feel like if the way they talk about it in church I thought God is always with me right so would you say that um, your Catholicism is less about your adherence to um, Catholic doctrine and dogma and more of your sense of identity in being a Filipino who grew up doing certain things with his parents and doing certain things growing up and those things being um, important for your, your your sense of who you are and who you were uh, but perhaps not so much now practicing but definitely like being part of your traditions and your culture right. and something that forms part of who you are as a person yeah. like because I, I feel the same way like you know I was, I was raised Catholic I I grew up with the church mm. uh, very early on, uh, <laughs> um, but my, you know, it's 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 a it's, it's a cultural force within Latin America, and it was mm-hmm. definitely a, you know a major cultural um, force within my household, um, and and, <clears throat> and the way that I thought about uh, myself, my relationship to others, my relationship to to sex, my relationship with my parents, etc. Right, so um, I could say you know I'm not Catholic, but the teachings and the sort of conditioning that comes with um, growing up in a in a household where your parents were Catholic and taking to church has its um, very much impact on who you are and yeah. how you see yourself and your identity. So um, I think that's definitely a big part of it. And then eventually I feel like, because there was a point in my life where I've taken my own initiatives around my own faith. Meaning like, the, I, did, I did go to church on my own and I practice. Um, and it's helped me in a lot of ways. And I think it's because it was at the time I felt like I've lost my way. And I think it goes back to just like that journey, you know, like okay. it was all a part of it. And it's helped me, it's, it's helped guide me really. So is, it, is, is, is your relationship to the church, Catholicism, spirituality, private, personal relationship, 
which is you know sort of like a, a more Protestant uh, view, fluid, and, and 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 you're just allowing yourself to sort of be able to uh, partake without necessarily becoming like a zealot and, exactly. and, and being a doctrinaire. Very much spirituality, yes. Um, if I could ask you, you know, um, wh- where do you think you're you're moving toward? Mm-hmm. You know, like I. So I know we started off with Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Mm-hmm. I know there was a bit of talk about just enlightenment, um, self fulfillment. Uh, we are now talking about um, Catholicism and a private relationship with God. And when you say God, I'm thinking it's a Christian God. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, the Siddhartha is about you know Buddha, Buddha, right, right. etc. So very I guess, much and, and, and spirituality, yeah. I think that that's something that's that you've been um, pursuing as well, right? So the question is, what, where are you now today in terms of your um, faith and beliefs in terms of you know a transcendent God or um, spirituality? Is it more Buddhist? Is it more Christian? Is it more? Um, perennial are you are you more like i'm open to wherever my life may take me but right now i'm not you know making any sort of like uh statements of certitude about where i stand like i think it's just that yeah no i think that makes sense and i think your last point is is just that right it's i i've allowed myself to be more open-minded and it's brought me here really i mean you know i feel like we need that perspective. We need those different perspectives. We can, otherwise, it's just so many things being thrown at us that how can we really live through that if we're only just living one way? Yeah. And I feel like everyone needs a sense of faith, spirituality, and ultimately being grounded because you know what's up there, you have to become down here. I think. If that, I don't know if that makes sense either, but it like, does, yeah, as above, so below. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I I feel like I'm very open to the idea of like Buddhism, even Muslim. You know, I feel like um, it's there's a lot of aspects there that I think makes sense, but I don't feel like I have like a strong stance. Okay, I'm I'm in the same place as you. I'm so. Like, I recognize that there's right. something, but yeah. in my own way of identifying that, it's from what I grew up with. Yeah. And that's God. That's my Catholic side. Yeah. A, a, a Catholic conception of God. Is yes. God. Okay. Um, how about, do you have any, any ethical principles and how you relate to people? And obviously... If you do, how do they relate to your uh, religious convictions? Mm, I think I'm big on integrity. I think that's probably the one that's had the most, it's probably the most common theme, really. Um, integrity, fairness, just comes back to having balance. And I, I, you know, when I think about that and how it, connects to religion I, I don't know that how, I think there's times where I can see it connecting and there's other times where it's just completely opposite mm. because when we think about yeah, 
the Bible, right? right? Exactly. There's like, how much of this was really fair? Right. It was more of like test, you know, but there were moments where, and this could just be just like you know the education that I that was, um, that I was brought up in when it comes to like Sunday school, but there there was there seemed to be a sense of fairness in in some of those stories and. I think ultimately what those stories try to portray is just, you know, how are you going to become the best version of you in a sense that you are, you have that integrity, you have, you're honest about who you are, what you do, your values and, you know. Right. And, um, may, and, and, and I think maybe, you know, not to um, be in defense of it, but, you know, it relates to the conversation earlier when we were talking about trials and tribulations mm-hmm. and going through them making them stronger so you know perhaps that part of you know the old testament and the bible be much more spiritual uh, side of things mm-hmm. yeah it, it might be a you know testing your your your, your faith and, and and your will to continue believing in something that you know to be correct but you know like yeah job and aspects of the Old Testament where, you know, I think uh, with our modern eyes, we tend to look askance. Yeah. Um, you sound like a better Catholic than I do. No. <laughs> That's the first time anyone's ever <laughs> said that. New um, Testament, Old Testament. Just... No, no, I'm, yeah, no I, mean, I mean, it makes sense, that though. Wasn't it's even, true, that though. wasn't even very well articulated, but I, but I, it, it was just a response to what you were saying because I was agreeing, right? Like, right, right. I think your sort of um, questioning of how some of the characters in the Old Testament were um, tested right. is something that you know we might take issue with because of our ideas about what a benevolent and good God should be. Right. Um, but again it's not it's, you know it's not simple it's hard. not like, simple it, at it, all it, it, i feel like there's so much layers on exa- top yes, of that exactly. and it's there's no one right answer and right. like i could say i could honestly say anything that you know i value when it comes to those type of moral principles and it could still apply um back to my faith one way or another but i think to your point it's it's just it's a test right it's yeah. like that's what life is it's like these are my values and I'm going to get tested by them <laughs> like throughout my life. There's just a lot of obstacles and that's going to push me to my limit and make me understand like, why is it that I value this? Um, and see the fairness in all of it really. Yeah. And uh, I like how um, you've repeated the word fairness three times. So I think that's a, a that's an important um, principle. You know, that is very in your life. And very. I think you're, and we look at fairness in different ways too. I feel like you know, like by effort or by I don't know, there's by status even. I feel that it's such a vague word, or can be vague. Um, but it's really how you perceive it. Really, I think it's it is important to me though. Yeah. Fairness is is key. And I yeah, and I think I think that's very important. And said integrity fairness and i would add to those two to make it a uh, an ethical troika you know respect respect yeah 
right? Like maybe you the have loyalty. Those, exactly. If you have those, you know, it's 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 gonna go a long way. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I'm a very, I find myself I would describe myself as a very easygoing type of person that is very accepting, and I think those values or those principles really they align with who I am. And my character and like you know just all my experiences and you know if, if i were to put one word to really capture all of that it's and it, it goes back to the, the balance yeah you know i love balance yeah. I, um, I, yeah. I i i think looking back i've definitely of those four principles you mentioned you know i've i've definitely think that i definitely think that um they were all things that I could have done better mm. um, and that now today I'm making a concerted and strong effort to um, apply to to a greater extent than I did yeah. in the past not that I was they could always be better yeah not that I was unethical and this sort of like you know <laughs> <laughs> evil person uh, who was just abusing and but I definitely think that I, I allowed myself to um, rationalize certain um, shortcomings of the principles that I knew to be mm. um, that I knew to be something that I needed to aspire to and, and, and actually live up to so it's never too late to try to um live up to those ideals yeah i mean it's you're gonna find yourself in so many different challenges that it's gonna surface parts of you that you didn't think was still there yeah that's true and you know like when you're feeling depressed or you're feeling happy it's probably because there's an imbalance there of whatever the opposite of that is and that's why we feel so much of that energy or excitement out of that at times or like whatever emotion that we might be expressing and yeah i mean i think balance is just so important when it comes to a lot of things like you can't have an abundance of of something so good because too much of something that's good could be also detrimental to your mind and your body in yeah. my opinion and same thing goes with the, th the things that are bad but i think we understand that from when we think about the bad things but when we think about the good things we just that's when we start being a bit greedy. Mm -hmm. Brings out a lot of other things, you know? I agree. Now, two last questions. What would you tell the child version of yourself about how to live life? What would be your advice to your younger self? Um, be curious. Um, be accepting. Be confident. And don't undermine yourself, your ability to succeed, your ability to, your, your knowledge, don't undermine anything. Just go in fully committed and, you know, share the world, share with the world who you are. And then what would you say to your future self? What do you think you need to tell um, this person in the future? best person best version of 
of themselves. Stay consistent. Commit to it. And if you fall, pick yourself up and try again. <laughs> that was the perfect end to the podcast. <laughs> I, sh- I don't know if I should play that song just to end it. Um, I think I even misquoted it too, to be honest. <laughs> I think it was pretty That's the stuff I'll yeah. try again. <laughs> Perfect song. <laughs> um, all right, on that note, we've come to the end of my third conversation of the Demonic Possession series of the What's Like It podcast. This was your host, Larry Atencia, with my guest, Miguel D Boy Kairos. Peace. Peace. Tried to make a